Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the eighth episode of the TCVC, a podcast where I, your host, Akash Bhatt, interview angel investors and venture capitalists investing in tech startups in India. Before we start this episode, I hope everyone is doing okay and staying safe. These are unprecedented times, and we must do everything we can to flatten the curve. If you're not practicing social distancing or thinking that this is going to affect you, I'd urge you to give a really hard thought to this again and also think about others that you might be putting at risk. Please stay indoors, stay safe, and encourage everyone around you to do so as well. Now back to the podcast. If you've been with us till now, you know that I've had a chance to speak to a number of VCs on this show, angels, younger VC firms, and some traditional incumbents as well, but none from the corporate side of the business. All that is about to change today. I'm extremely delighted to share what corporate venture capital or CVC is and what role they play in the venture ecosystem. And to elaborate on that topic, I have with me Rama Beth Mangalkar. Rama is the director at Qualcomm Ventures. He joined Qualcomm with 17 years of experience spanning technology investing, R&D, and product management. Previously, he was the principal at Venture East, a premier VC firm in India. His current interests include enterprise software, IoT, machine learning, among other emerging technologies. Let's hear more about what corporate venture capital is from him and jump straight into the episode. So without further ado, here's Rama. Hi, Rama. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited about our chat today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, Akash. Very good evening to you. Thank you. You know, before we start and delve into deeper topics, I was curious to understand how your journey began and how did you wind up in venture capital? Could you give us a little bit of a recap on your career? Oh, sure, sure. So this is uh, back in uh, 2007 uh, when I finished my B school. I was already working in the U.S. prior to that at Sun Microsystems. I was a systems programmer and then later into product management. So after B school, I was looking at career options and I really liked the wide variety of opportunities one gets to uh, apply in entrepreneurship. You know, you 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 name it, you, you can apply those skills, whether it is uh, strategy, operations, finance, marketing, um, even economics, macroeconomics also, when you plan, you know, how the global environment is. So all of this was, was really interesting to me and in saying, you know, is there a career that I can pursue that can be in touch with all of these disciplines? And entrepreneurship and especially venture capital seemed very attractive. To me and that's how uh, I pursued that career and I found one in India so I moved back to India at that point of time to take up a role as an associate uh, at Venture East. When was this? Well back in uh, mid- This was 2000 so I came back in 2007 so that was so I've been a VC since 2007. So this is just before the, um, the startup Before bubble. the financial crisis yeah. Yeah. Right. So what really attracted you at that particular moment? You know, there was a very fragile period in the economy. And, you know, at that point, India was probably just opening up. We, people were still thinking about laptops. I remember a lot of conversations back then where people were saying laptops are expensive, smartphone is still not penetrated the market. What really attracted you to, you know, venture capital during a very fragile point in the economy? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, also, on one side, the U.S. Um, we had not hit the financial crisis yet. Um, I think there were rumblings in, in academic circles, but only in 2008, it started to dawn on everyone that there's a big crisis. But uh, for me, it was more of, okay, there is a large market that is opening up. If you see the 90s, late 90s to mid 2000, the way Indian economy grew, um, it was at a trailblazing speed, and then that, but then we hadn't penetrated much in the tech world at all, as far as startups was concerned, or unlocking value that is there in entrepreneurship. Um, so all of those was was really a belief that the market is going to open up very soon. Uh, I agree with you. The internet penetration was low. The broadband speeds were low. The smartphone didn't exist. 
but then there was this belief that you know something has to give here because this this economy is, is ready to grow from here and if things are right um startups and vc will do very well and it turns out that 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 was not a bad idea it, it did happen that way how exactly it happened was i don't think anyone foresaw what was going to come well that's very interesting now you know i one of the topics that i want to discuss with you today is that of corporate venture capital and you know you've you've been in corporate vc for a while now so before we delve deeper let's just define what corporate venture capital is and how does that really differ from traditional vc yeah it's a good question i think um, so vc has existed uh, for many decades now and corporate vc is is a very specialized um, sort of group within the vc community the larger vc community uh, typically these are uh, conglomerates or public corporations or even companies which are investing from their treasury slash balance sheet so there is a different set of operations that they have for core business and then they have cash which is coming from profits and then they have a vc program or a startup uh, program there are even within that there are two flavors i would say that one which you know in in the valley there were a few companies which pioneered this in the late uh, mid 90s that you invest to acquire those companies so you always are looking to grow your own sort of capabilities and fill gaps in your products and which is why you know you start a program which will invest with the intention of possibly acquiring them and then there is a second set of vc in corporate which is you know you want to be market sensing as to what is going on out there in in the markets where our products can perhaps you know fit in a vertical or a solution that our business teams have not thought of or should um, should should the uh, product team start thinking about um, a new area to, of research to work on because these are some of the use cases that the market is seeing so ours at qualcom comes you know in the second bucket where we are more of a market sensor uh we 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 ensure that our investments are there which is you know either leveraging the qualcom's product portfolio leveraging our huge base of partners and customers for our startups um and most importantly also bringing some very new technologies uh, to the market for example in ar and vr we have chipsets and solutions which are really out there and then we work with startups to productize them and go, take them to the market um so we work on the second model which is the corporate vc more as a market sensor that is from a objective which is internal objective but as far as the company is concerned we work very similar to any other vc that they work with as far as our term sheets are concerned the way we engage with them our investment process our uh, value addition even post investment uh, we work in a very similar way to other vcs so when it comes to difference between corporate and financial vcs there are one or two very obvious differences you know since it's a balance sheet investing we don't have the typical sort of constraints of a fund life or a fund size or a check size um this is something we create and adapt at the you know as and when it when the situation requires us to change we can ramp up our check sizes um or we can continue to hold on to investments well beyond a certain period because we believe the market is opening up or the company is going to grow from there on so that gives us a little more flexibility for uh, for for working with companies um so that's something that we we take pride about and and talk to when we talk to our entrepreneurs saying they should really partner with corporate vcs who can open doors for them add value in ways that uh, perhaps few people can add value Well, you mentioned market sensing. Uh, so CVCs can focus on one of three things, right? Pure financial returns, biz dev for existing businesses within the organization, and third, which covers both. What kind of returns does Qualcomm or usually corporate ventures track internally outside of financial returns from its portfolio? No, this is this is an ongoing debate within the treasury and the the VC group. um we are certainly held accountable to our investments on the financial metrics uh we are we are looked at we certainly our 
treasury and financial group looks at, uh, they know the data, they have the top quartile or top decile data of the VC market. We are uh, expected to be in that, uh, you know, in terms of uh, our own financial performance. Um, there is, there are, you know, certain cases where uh, it's a, if it's a very strategic and then it adds uh, value to product groups or even potentially leads on acquisition, which was initially not thought of, then that value is a little more intangible and that really can't be categorized in, in terms of uh, ROI. Uh, but then we are striving to be out there in the top quartile to top decile performance, which is already there, you know, established for some top tier VC funds. Just that our sectors might be slightly different. Our, you know, investing might be more closer to what our corporate and product needs are. But in terms of financial returns, we are looking at very similar returns as the top quartile funds are. So it's definitely a myth when people say that corporate VCs don't really care about financial returns. Am I right? Absolutely. No, this is a program. Uh, see, we see there are two things here. One is, does it add value? Does, does it make a difference to the earnings of the corporate? If you're a public corporation, it is very difficult to justify that. But does the program pay for itself and also create areas where, um, you know, value was, you know, something that was you know, not created? For example, I'll give an example. Uh, Xiaomi in China, which was one of our investments from the China team. Um, you know, at the time we did, it was a very early stage company. But today, Xiaomi is a global behemoth in terms in, in the smartphone industry. Um, so what it did was, it, it you know, so Xiaomi is also a very large customer of uh, Qualcomm. So what that did was two things, essentially. It furthered our product portfolio. It, it got us a customer. It also created a new market. Um, you know, way beyond China for Xiaomi. Xiaomi is a very global company today. So that is one example where you can see what corporate VC can enable for not just the corporate, but also for uh, the industry as such. Right. I'm going to throw a number at you. And just in 2018 alone, because I don't have the statistics for 2019 as yet, there were about at least 264 mm-hmm. newly founded corporate venture capital mm-hmm. funds that existed globally, then this represented the highest number of corporate VC entrants in a given year. Why do you think corporate VCs are allocating more money and funds to investment vehicles and allocating resources to the investment side of of, of businesses? Yeah, so we we can postulate a couple of reasons. One is it post the financial crisis, um, the startup uh, and the VC as an asset class globally and, and in wherever markets whether it is india or the us or china or anywhere else even in 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 local regions in separate regions and globally it has seen phenomenal growth what does what does that mean that means that there are entrepreneurs in almost every sector whether whether it is a business to business or direct to consumer in every one of these geographies there are new entrepreneurs who are thinking about uh, you know, every day asking the question, how can I change this industry? How can I change the way consumers uh, or, or, or businesses or enterprises or users uh, get better value? And um, you know, if you're an incumbent, if you're, if you're a company who is already in the business of, uh, of, of, of doing, let's say anything, you know, it could be in a HR software or it could be a financial software or any one of these, You've got to worry about how you're going to be disrupted by the army of entrepreneurs um, who are out there and trying to innovate. So what then you do is, okay, can I set aside resources or even create programs where I can now start wearing this hat, which is either the market sensing hat or you go that other route where I have serious gaps in my portfolio. Maybe I should start looking at potential acquisitions, take small steps and then acquire and I would perhaps, you know, that that appears to be the strong reason why we have seen a surge uh, of, of corporate VCs in the last uh, several years. That's very interesting. And, you know, I've spoken to a couple of VCs in the industry as well as startups who are thinking about taking money from a corporate venture capital. I can think of, you know, an example where during a startup's due diligence, we urge them to think about you know, different competitors that might probably exist in the market, 
has the corporate VC invested in a similar company before or are they in business with um, anybody who might potentially be a competitor to the startup? What kind of due diligence do you expect startups to conduct before they even start talking to a corporate venture capital? No, so it's a good question. So it, it, it is it is them thinking about, and this is something I've, I've been uh, uh, sort of advocating in in the in the forums and whenever we I meet entrepreneurs is that here is here is a small group within the larger VC asset class that perhaps entrepreneurs should be start should be paying more attention to, which is can I have diversity in my investor base and in that can I carve out a space for corporate VC? Um, so when you when when the entrepreneur is thinking about that, they should certainly look at their own business. You know, does it have any relevance to the corporate that you're trying to connect to? For example, let's say if, if it is hardware related or IoT related, uh, or even in, in many cases, if, you know, if it is software and AI related, you might want to think what Qualcomm is up to doing because we are a very innovative company. We have portfolios across um, different industries in terms of product portfolios. Uh, smartphone is, is is deeply penetrated in the society and economy today. Um, so pretty much we are across the board in the smartphone value system uh, from communication uh, modules to processors to AI, DSP, uh, image processing, all of that stuff is there. So if you're, a, if you're an entrepreneur thinking, okay, my business has an hardware component or an angle to it, then automatically you should think of Qualcomm. Similarly, there are others such as um, you know, software-only uh, companies or SaaS companies, you should look at other corporate VCs who are out there, you know, maybe a program under a, a software or a SaaS firm, uh, which can then open doors, um, not just in terms of uh, customers, partners, but also even be a good sounding board for how to scale up your business. And that is something we do also internally at Qualcomm. Um, we work very closely with our portfolio companies. Uh, we have an internal BD within the ventures, uh, which looks at each one of these startups. And, and on a periodic basis, we look at, is there a partner that we can uh, connect with this, to, with this particular startup? Um, is there uh, a supply chain relationship that we can enable? For example, if you have to manufacture uh, something in, in Asia, China or Taiwan or India or Vietnam, uh, guess what? We pretty much know some of the top suppliers in the ecosystem there in supply chain. Uh, so can we connect them to the startup? That is second one. And if you're really technical, you know, we have some of the best engineers, uh, you know, in the R&D teams, uh, we can also bring that uh, in, in, in the interactions with the company to see how can we solve some of the big uh, problems here from a science and engineering perspective. So I really encourage entrepreneurs to think about corporate VC. And if you are in IoT, AI, uh, ML, VR, AR, any of those, you know, think of Qualcomm. So I have a follow-up question to that. So sure. from an entrepreneur perspective, what is the right time for them to approach a corporate venture? Is it at, during Series A, B, or even seed, seed stage for that matter? Yeah, it, it really depends from the, on the, the VC program, the corporate VC program. I would certainly encourage them to reach out as early as possible because some of your product market fit uh, is going to be defined very early on as to what kinds of technology choices you make what kinds of platform choices you make and um, you know the later you approach and if it is slightly divergent or if your product is not competitive enough uh, it doesn't it doesn't have that that same value that the vc could have created perhaps early on let's say you can get locked into a design win with with a particular uh, family of technology or products, but then it is very difficult to change from there on. Um, so it is always, uh, you know, advisable or encouraging. Of, uh, I encourage them to reach out much earlier in the process. And now many of the corporate VCs do invest in seed, early stage, and all the way through mid and late stage as well. Um, so the fact that you are in their radar, even if they don't invest in, in at a seed stage. Um, that that is good enough because you know at Series A you might be you're cutting short the time to make diligence and decisions much much quicker. 
Right. So what is the value proposition there, Rama, for a CVC compared to a traditional VC? Why should I, as an entrepreneur, be thinking about a corporate, taking funds from corporate venture capital rather than a traditional VC firm? What's in it for me? Yeah, so uh, let's take example of Qualcomm itself, right? And and if you're an IoT company and you want uh, um, one of some of the best designs for your IoT product, uh, how do you ensure that they actually are the best designs in the market? So we have a hardware program and, and dedicated staff which can look at and review designs and suggest, you know, is there a bomb reduction possible? Is there a better technology choice or complete COGS reduction possible uh, because of a new upcoming new technology which can even enable more feature set? So that those are some of the very obvious choices that our corporate would be, you know, the company would be struggling in early stages as to what do I do on my technology? Um, and in, especially in this case of hardware. So you, the, I would, we would encourage the companies to look at Qualcomm. Can Qualcomm help here? Obviously, money is important. Connections are important. Opening doors with customers are important. And I think we can do that in any of those. Besides, we also have a very global program uh, of corporate venturing. So we have a dedicated team in, in China. We have teams in Israel, Europe. Uh, Latin America and of course North America besides India. So if there is a requirement for connecting with in a potential another company across the border uh, either to collaborate or to partner or to even you know perhaps see them as a customer uh, all of this can be enabled under one umbrella which is a corporate VC umbrella you know if you are looking at uh, Qualcomm as a program. So Rama tell me this are there any trade-offs when it comes to taking capital from domestic CVCs as opposed to global CVCs? Sure. So if, if, the, if the startup's business is somewhat related to the business of the corporate, and or maybe when I say related, um, they could be serving the same customer, but in different segments. Um, they could be leveraging same partners, but in different geographies. So it doesn't matter where you're uh, where you're located, if it is if it is still you know in the intersection of okay, there is a common customer base or a common uh, uh, sort of partner base, then it might still make sense for that startup to consider a corporate uh, VC within that geo because that company perhaps is global or perhaps is not. It could be even in the same country. It could be serving different uh, segments in the industry you know some a company could be a company could be in healthcare a company could be in uh, enterprise a company could be in telecom or oil and gas so if you're in any one of these uh, as a startup and then you say okay there is also this other company which is serving or has a focus on this that becomes a fit for looking at uh, a corporate vc who can perhaps do a joint go to market or business development and also help bring customers early on and certainly validate uh, uh, the future uh, of, of the company's market potential. Very interesting. So with respect to that, do you or any other corporate venture capital for that matter have the same ownership requirements as those of traditional venture capital firms? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it, it, it really depends on the corporate. Uh, we have seen a spectrum of uh, ideas on, on what ownership should be. Um, in, in Qualcomm's case, uh, we, we look at somewhere between, you know, five, seven single digit, mid single digit percentages to, to the teens. Um, that's the spectrum that we look at as ownership. Um, it does bring challenges as far as the more you own, there are more reporting guidelines. You know, if you are a public listed company, uh, especially in the U.S., you have certain uh, accounting rules which which make you, um, you know, comply and report a lot more uh, if you own a certain more than a certain percentage uh, in a company, even indirectly, like even through startup investments. So that somewhat, you know, it's a trade-off. So you need to balance between, okay, is this is so good enough that I need to put own more ownership on the table in this company and potentially, you know, open up more doors, create more value, and also the return expectations for ourselves will be a lot more. 
that's a choice that you make consciously um, because you, on the other side, you also have to work with the system to ensure that uh, you're compliant with whatever local uh, regulatory guidelines that are there for holding investments. Right. So when you make investments, say for Qualcomm for that matter, does your investment have to align or does every country that you make investments in, does it have a global strategy or does uh, each individual CV, CVC have their own um, thesis they have ongoing at the organization? So within Qualcomm, we have a very similar sort of uh, strategy across the geos. Um, so we take as a, you know, we as a group, we take a call as to what uh, at that particular period or that particular um, time is, is relevant. And uh, pretty much the whole team across the geos uh, applies that and follows and there are there is room for exceptions you know if you if you want to um, take a much higher stake there is there is no restriction on this is that you need to be cognizant as to why you're doing it and and be able to justify that so at this point of time you know if we are in the early stage uh, seed stage or early stage we are certainly looking at um, you know, high single digits, maybe even getting to 10% stake. And we'd like to maintain that stake uh, over multiple rounds through follow-on investments. Right. As a follow-up to that, I'd like to ask you, what are some of the trends that you're noticing in the industry that really excites you? So in terms of uh, ideas and entrepreneurship and, the you know, what kind of, uh, is, is that what you mean by what excites us? Absolutely. In terms of investments, what are some of the things that you've been looking at from a startup perspective in the in the B2B enterprise space that really excites you the most? Sure, sure. No, it, it is it is a you know it is very exciting phase. Uh, if you just look back at a few big areas that have started to make impact, it you know AI certainly is on everyone's mind today. Um, just very simple things that that conversational ai can can make life easy uh, we are already seeing that but but imagine how much more can be done uh, the potential that exists there whether in the enterprise sector or even in the consumer sector you know for a country like india which is uh, very diverse in terms of uh, every aspect that there is and most importantly in language aspect uh, imagine what conversational AI could do to a country like India, where we have uh, smartphone penetration also one of the highest in terms of at least in volume um, that that the country um, ships or consumes. So conversational AI, it, it's a big theme. We are excited to see uh, companies innovating there for India. It's already happening in the enterprise. It will continue to happen. Uh, we are also looking at uh, sort of intersection of, you know, wearables and healthcare. There's a lot of regulatory changes also. Regulators are also thinking uh, very progressively and seeing where can they relax regulation as far as healthcare and technology is concerned. And we will start seeing some of those. So you should be able to do more with the wearables that we are uh, already consuming, uh, which doesn't perhaps require uh, FDA approvals or regulatory approvals even for you know that that could open up a completely new set of companies and innovation we are already seeing some of those um and in we are also looking at uh, tech where tech is getting into areas which previously were not there for example construction which is a very old industry several millennia old uh, construction industry is looking at technology and looking at uh, ways to improve um, their own operations, uh, the way they build quality, scale, cost, all of that. Um, augmented reality and virtual reality are some of the technologies that are, you know, across the board. But you start seeing that in in, in construction tech already. Um, and last but not least, you're also seeing uh, robotic process automation that you mentioned earlier. Um, you will we will see more of that in in developing countries, especially India, which is a huge manufacturing base. Uh, we're going to see that in the next uh, few years how Indian companies 
um, adopt some of these latest technologies and, and get to better profitability, better efficiency and productivity. That's very interesting because you mentioned industries such as construction, conversational AI and the wearable technology. How do you identify such trends? Or in other words, what's the source of your deal flow? Where are you get, coming across all of these trends? How are you identifying these companies? And how do you justify internally that, hey, you know what, this is an area that we need to be focusing right now because it's hard globally, but at the same time, India has its it, its own opportunity that, that it proposes and presents. Yeah, no thanks. Thanks for that question. So we've been in India for the last um, over 10 years. 2007 or 8 was when the program started here uh, for Qualcomm. So there has been a team and the longevity of the program is, is quite amazing in terms of uh, the VC industry itself in India. So we've, we've been here as long as the VC industry has started to see growth. And uh, so we are very entrenched in, in the VC ecosystem with our part, you know, VC peer partners, with uh, financial advisors who are out there, and you know, with academia, with accelerators, uh, you name it. So these these are the traditional sources of uh, sort of referrals for uh, deal flow for us. Um, but beyond that, we also have a huge uh, base of our own employee network or the alumni network. Um, that that also acts as uh, deal sourcing uh, for us. Some of our uh, portfolio companies today were ex-Qualcomm employees who went on to found their startups and then you know, it, it fit our criteria and we funded them. So that's a, one of the huge sources for uh, deal flow for us. Um, we also look, we have a program which is a hardware accelerator program started in 2015 as part of the Make in India Challenge. This is called Qualcomm Design in India Challenge, which essentially helps start hardware startups uh, with access to some of the latest Qualcomm technologies, which are usually very expensive if you want to get access to them or get licensing. Uh, those technologies, these are very expensive. So these are given to you know, hardware startups. We go through a very rigorous selection criteria and a few startups get chosen for a particular cohort and they get access to the lab facilities, they get access to our design engineers, they get access to even the relationship that I mentioned, which is the supply chain. Um, all of that is, is part of another uh, program, which is, is part of the Qualcomm program. And some of those companies become deal flow for us. So besides the regular deal flow, we have our you know employees and alumni, we have uh, the accelerator program, which is uh, a deal flow. And last but not least, our own um, sort of portfolios in other geographies and teams in other geographies uh, also refer portfolio companies for investments to us, so which is a very um, a unique strength that Qualcomm as a corporate PC has. You mentioned something there about your portfolio being uh, part of the deal flow and you know they're, they're either going to found companies themselves or they happen to know people who have done so and they happen to eventually become a very good source of deal flow. In terms of portfolio support, Absolutely. what are some of the things that Qualcomm or a corporate PC in general brings to the table outside of you know creating opportunities from within the organization? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, have, we have a unique program. Uh, and I'll give you an example and then we can generalize that. So we have a very unique program in Qualcomm we call the CEO Summit. This is an annual program which happens in the US, in, in San Diego, where we bring um, most of our portfolio company CEOs um, across the globe. Um, they are invited to that program. And what you have, have there as audience is not just some of the top executives of Qualcomm, different business units and their general managers, Qualcomm exec management, including our CEO and CEO who attended last year. But more importantly, we also invite some of Qualcomm's biggest customers and partners as well to that event. So this is Qualcomm as a corporate going out there to its partners and its customers and then saying, hey, come to San Diego and take a look at some of our groundbreaking startup uh, work that is happening. 
And so there is this sort of speed dating that we facilitate, um, you know, between the startup CEO and this global CEO, or it could be a Fortune 100 company, Fortune 50 company, a Fortune 500 company, it could be anything, right? But then the matchmaking is very targeted, and then you get access to that, that person or that organization in a very focused way, which otherwise is very difficult. How, you, how can you get access to, let's say, the CEO of Caterpillar or let's say a CEO of uh, um, Xiaomi or, or any one of those companies? It's very difficult, right? So this is something we do as a, as a calendar event. This, this happens. And uh, this is one of the value adds that we, we talked about as to why Qualcomm as a corporate VC is a good fit for the startups. That's that's wonderful. That's very interesting to know that there are different corporate VCs who are exposing their customers and extended network to help the portfolio companies. And as a follow-up to that, I wanted to understand with respect to portfolio construction, how much thought and strategy goes behind every year when you're thinking about making investments? And usually one of the things that I've come across is corporate VCs tend to make uh, investments anywhere in the range between three to five or three to six. That's usually the uh, the range that I've seen, at least here in the Valley. Uh, is that the same uh, even in India? And if it's so, what is the portfolio construction strategy that goes behind these investments? Yeah, no, thank you for that. This this is this is an evolving thing. We are con- continuously, every uh, VC is honing their strategy as to uh, how they make decisions smarter, faster, which areas to choose you know, in any given point of time. So we go through that too. And uh, so the internal, we, we have uh, internal Qualcomm team, which is a global team meets twice a year. We also have regular uh, interactions within our own team in India to look at our strategy. So essentially we, we come up with, at the beginning of the year, we look at certain sectors and say, these sectors are, are likely to see more deal flow or likely, you know, they have sort of matured in terms of where the customer market requirement is. And we also then map into saying, do we have coverage in these sectors already or is this sector something that doesn't exist in our portfolio? So based on some of these uh, metrics, we choose those sectors first upfront and we say that, okay, for the next 12 months, let's look at deal flow, let's own our sourcing and selection criteria in some of these areas and the, some of those men- I mentioned already in the um, in, in earlier. Um, so then we get into uh, working with uh, our partners, our sourcing networks and, and even companies very focused uh, sort of manner throughout the you know until we find the right company. We're looking for those companies and that is something uh, as, as portfolio strategy but it, 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 its coverage in sectors is one. It is exposure in terms of dollar to that sector is the second one. And, and thirdly, which is cuts underlying everything, is that is there a return potential? Can I, what is the financial return metrics for that particular startup or that particular idea? But not also is an underlying theme that is factored in our decision making for, for, for strategy. Right. Now, we've spoken a lot about, you know, how you guys invest or how corporate pieces invest and the thought process and strategy that goes behind it. Now, talk to me about the challenges that comes with being in corporate venture capital, because it's not an easy job to do. So in your experience, what's the hardest thing about being a corporate PC? Yeah, so it is, you know, thanks to shows like these, we can tell entrepreneurs that there is something like corporate VC and there's something... Uh, that they should consider. Um, I don't think it is, uh, you know, even though we, we do a lot of work, it, it, it's never enough. Uh, we have to be relevant all the time to make our case for the startup entrepreneurs as to why they should consider us. Because uh, on the other hand, the number of financial VC funds have also increased you know, tremendously in the last uh, 10 years across the globe. Um, so entrepreneurs have a choice today as to from who they source capital from. And it, it's a constant effort from our side uh, to make sure that we are out there, our message is out there, and entrepreneurs hear us and see what value we bring uh, to them. 
and and many of our portfolio companies do that for us thankfully because even these companies become successful uh, that certainly feeds that uh, that cycle uh, all over again and then we start seeing more companies approach us but this is something we have to do all the time uh, we can't rest on our past uh, the challenge is how do you communicate your message how do you stay relevant to the entrepreneurs all the time and that is something um, that you have to think about every day so how does your decision making process differ at that point since you talk about trying to be relevant and you're also trying to at the same time appeal to founders and let them know that this is this is a way for you to be raising funds how do you think about you know positioning yourselves very strategically to the right set of founders because not every business is a right fit right that is right that is right so which is why um, you know what i mentioned the hardware accelerator is one program where it is a self selected group of companies which fit some of the criteria that already uh, in our ear or or check mark for us Uh, that is one source secondly we also work with our vc partners in the ecosystem constantly we are in touch with them looking at uh, their portfolios whether it's their c portfolio or a or b or c portfolios uh, looking at what qualcom can do uh, to those portfolios and they also reach out vice versa uh, if there is a company in their portfolio which requires uh, help that qualcom could extend beyond capital we also have vc partners reaching out to us and saying hey look at this uh, potential iot company for you know it's coming up for next round uh, take a look at this you know so we 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 have that um, as a way to to address what we just said which is to stay relevant you you need to work continuously on that program continue to tell the market not just directly but also through your uh, indirect channels which is your vc partners financial advisors other entrepreneurs as well that that qualcom strategy is this and that's why they should reach out to qualcom for um, for for investment for example let's take conversational ai or ar and vr if there is any startup that's out there in you know innovating in this area automatically they should think of qualcom and if we doing our job correctly that happens very smoothly they reach out and and we get access to those deals either directly or through our partners very interesting and when it comes to from a startup perspective the first thing or the biggest misconception that they have is that how am i going to crack through and get through to somebody at qualcom it's such a big organization how do i get through what's the right way what is your advice to entrepreneurs who are thinking about raising money from corporate vcs what's the best way for them to reach out is it through a vc is it through your accelerator is it through some other source what would you say Oh, it, it's all of these, and we also have a dedicated website, uh, www.qualcomventures.com, um, which has all the information that's out there. You can reach out to any one of our uh, team members, or you know, specific geo. If also that is what the interest is, um, and and on social media, we're there. You know, the website has all the information. um many of all of our team members are on social media on linkedin or other media as well so any of the entrepreneurs could reach out to us uh, in fact we do have a lot of entrepreneurs reaching out to us on uh, linkedin and other social media as well directly um so we encourage that and the website has the most updated information as far as our strategy is concerned focus areas is concerned what we look for how do we make decisions what are our, some of our portfolio companies what are what have been the successes of our uh, portfolio companies um so all of that information is on the website www.qualcomventures.com and that has information to uh, for entrepreneurs to reach out to us i want to head into a segment which is almost like rapid fire where i'm going to ask you questions from your particular experience in venture capital and then you can you can answer me with those sure what is one thing that you'd like to change about venture capital or corporate venture capital in india i'd say for venture capital um, I, i really want uh, vcs to be building companies for the long term i mean really long term uh, indian startups have to get embedded in the society um integrated in capital markets 
not just be the front page for Economic Times or TechCrunch, but also be on the minds of every Indian who's, who should be thinking, I should buy this stock, I should hold this stock. So that's what I wish the Indian venture capital to set as a goal uh, for, the, for the coming years. No, I love that. How do you guard yourselves against your competitors in this space? So there is this famous thing, right? There is there is no com- competition. There is it's always cooperation, and I think um, uh, we truly believe in that. There is, you know, there are certain things you fight for, you fight hard, uh, but at the end of the day, we need each other. Uh, none of us can can think or even you know believe that we can do stuff alone. Um, our entrepreneurs are equally important in the in the equation. So we rely on our strengths of working with entrepreneurs, working with companies, and showcasing our strengths um, globally, as well as what we can do in those respective geos. So that serves as our strengths to, um, in, in those situations where we have to compete. Right. What are some of the successful trades that you're seeing across your portfolio? No, they're uh, innovating fast. Um, that is one of the things that we are seeing that, um, Um, whether it is products or whether it is even completely different uh, focus areas, uh, looking at their strengths and seeing, okay, this didn't work. Can we use this to do something else? So we are seeing that uh, very, very focused uh, way in some of the companies that uh, we have invested. Uh, Usual growth, of course, is always there. You know, we are seeing that the companies we funded for growth, they are actually growing um very nicely and in some areas where it was the product market fit was early and it was not there teams are innovating much faster than they were in the past right and how have you seen yourself change as an investor from when you started way back in 2007 to to today oh that's a nice one so um you know the way i look at this is um one of I, I don't remember who, but one of the Valley VCs said that you need to lose at least $20 million before you can <laughs> start becoming a good investor. So I, I don't know who that was, but um, I know that that quote, is, <laughs> that quote is very important because it gives you a perspective as to how can you become good. Um, it, is, it is based on both your successes and perhaps more so on, on the learnings and development opportunities that you go through as a VC. Um, so I've seen that in the past, I would perhaps spend a lot more time on investment agreements at the investment phase. Today, I don't bother much on that. I know we know that you know things are investment agreements are there. It is needs to be there, but then that's not how you build companies. The investment agreement is not where you need to focus on. You need to focus on the entrepreneur. You need to focus on the market. You need to focus on the product. So I see myself spending less time on such stuff, more on the actual uh, score of that stuff, which is the company itself and the founder itself. I also see myself making decisions much faster because of this. You know a few things which have worked, you know a few things which probably have not worked. You go through this question, I mean, am I right? Am I making a judgment decision based on past, which is misplaced or is it still relevant? So... You go through that quickly, but then you arrive at a decision much sooner. That is something that I have um, started to see a change uh, besides the fact that you spend less time on investment agreements. Right. As a follow-up to that question, what do you now know about venture capital that you wish you knew when you started? Oh, it is not. Though it appears sexy from the outside, it is not. It is a lot of hard work. Um, you need to be on top of your game almost every single day. Uh, you need to have a discipline that that keeps you uh, sort of sharp because, you know, uh, the worst thing that you can do as a VC is make snap judgments on something that works or something that doesn't work. This can happen for any one of us. But then you need to be in the right frame of mind to be able to do that. You're meeting entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs on a daily basis, not just one day. You may be meeting back-to-back several entrepreneurs. So how do you then keep yourself sharp to be able to connect to what they're saying, understand, and then be able to make a decision or or take an action item on that? That is not easy. It is hard work. 
and it, it has to happen every single day and you need to have something you know sort of a daily routine before you get into uh, work or get into meetings to be able to do that 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 i wish something i had known before not that i would not have taken vc but i would have probably better been better prepared perfect that's a brilliant answer and lastly what is one piece of advice that you want to give to first time entrepreneurs on fundraising yeah no as i've been saying uh, think of popcorn ventures if we are relevant uh, to your business we probably are because we are one of the leaders in smartphone uh, technologies today and ai and ml and all the greatest technologies that are out there so if you're a startup entrepreneur a first time entrepreneur just pause and think that how can i diversify my investor base beyond the usual set of investors and our corporate vcs and especially qualcomm uh, are they relevant to us or not because every any everything else or you know as far as lessons or advice it's already out there in the market other vcs have said that and i will only be repeating uh, what they have already said um, but uh, corporate vc in considering them as one of the sources of capital is is an important one the second i would say that is venture capital is very efficient in allocating resources you know we are very small community we know each other we know where deals are happening what sectors are getting funded so you know it makes the decisions very fast so if something is getting funded um it's easy also for the sector to stop investing if something is not working so that also happens very fast so if you are an entrepreneur raising and you have already raised capital guess what you should be thinking about you should think about you know where what do my next round investors expect because i've already raised funds so there is a certain expectation that they have of me in the next round so what do i need to be doing for that uh, to make that expectation met so that is something you need to think about and suppose you're not having luck as much luck in in raising funds you need to go back and say hey this is an asset class which is very efficient in making decisions why am i not getting funded perhaps you look at your own product market attractiveness or perhaps your composition of your team um that i would perhaps uh, leave on you know as a thought to the entrepreneurs out there who might be not seeing as much success as they wish they they had then and, and and that's something that could be helping uh, them well that's a great note to end the episode on rama i had a blast speaking to you and you had some really wonderful insights and advice for startups from a corporate venture capital perspective so i thank you for that and really appreciate your time Oh thank you Akash pleasure was mine actually thank you so much Now that was another brilliant episode great insights there from Rama thank you so much again for your thoughts and perspectives on what corporate venture capital looks like in India and what role they play in the country and at the same time how it differs from traditional VC firms If you're still here with us and I really hope you are I'd really appreciate it if you can rate subscribe to this podcast and join us every week as i bring you some interesting knowledge and pieces of information from the indian startup ecosystem once again try and stay safe everybody stay indoors practice social distancing and until next week keep hustling